Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? We'll be the baby of the Hello and welcome back to the Turbo Team Podcast, looking live from Ben Neeson's basement. We're back. Man, we we're are back. We're back like Mandalorian season two. Ayo, Am I right? Ayo. As always. He never left. As always, I'm your host, Jake Brand. Alongside me, the OGs and the co-hosts of the Turbo Team Podcast, we've got Alex Powell. Hey. And we've got Ben Neeson in his humble abode. How are you, Ben? Welcome to my establishment. And special guest, Bill Burr. Hey, what's up with this Star Wars thing? Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Dunkin', I'm from Boston. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Bill Burr. <laughs> Thank you. I don't like Star Wars. You know Bill Burr, the firefighter from King of Staten Island? Maybe a sneak peek to later in this episode Just of the Turbo Team Podcast. Episode 22. Two? This is 35. Okay, so there's like 10. Glad the listener's going to hear all this. <laughs> eh, forget it. It was an average movie at best. Oh. So. Maybe. That's right, Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for you. If you're hearing this, watch your back. <laughs> so this is, as we said, episode 35, and it is currently Christmas uh, Eve, Eve, Eve Eve. Am I right? Am I right? Alex. Uh... <laughs> But shut it up, shut up. it is December twenty third, and with Ben traveling to Denver, Colorado, Colorado, go get some. America's country. We will not be recording next week, so this is our last episode of twenty twenty. Can we get a cheers? Yeah. Oi, bro. Cheers, yeah. Oi, bro. It is a peachy year, isn't it? So today, <laughs> big Peaky Blinders, <laughs> Peaky Blinders. <laughs> today we're going to be reviewing season two of The Mandalorian that wrapped up last week. But after that, we're going to be kind of reminiscing on the year 2020 was, looking ahead to 2021 a little bit. But in the meantime, I say we get into The Mandalorian season two for the most part behind the creation of John Favreau with a little help from Dave Filoni. There's episodes directed by. Uh, Peyton Reed, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard. Tyco, I, Rick, did, did Tyka? Re- no, he didn't. He did Tyka did season. one in season one. He's still he's in it. He's uh he's a uh, he's on the credits. He plays with like some robot. Oh, that yeah. one. That one. Good. Good that. for Tyka. But it's starring <laughs> Pedro Pascal as Mandalorian. That's his name. Mandalorian. IG-11. He plays IG Eleven. Mr. Mandalorian. Okay. Well, IG-11 dies in season one. Spoiler podcast, by the way. He was the robot who died in the last oh, episode. Oh, the uh, assassin droid that was, like, good. Yeah. Okay. okay, I didn't know that. It's also starring Gina Carano as Cara Dune, Giancarlo Esposito as Boba Fett. Carl Weathers oh, no. as Carl Weathers. Moff Gideon. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito's uh, Moff Gideon. Tamara Morrison is Boba Fett. Carl Weathers is... Uh, Carl Weathers. That, yeah, he plays Carl <laughs> Weathers. Carl's we- Carl Weathers, what are you doing here? This is Star Wars, baby. He just he oh, just kind of shows up every now Remember and then. Remember me and Rocky? <laughs> now I'm in Star Wars. Let's go save Yoda. <laughs> but anyways, Mandalorian takes place all across the galaxy. Far, far 
away in kind of like a spaghetti western. Hey Ben's yo. we're not explaining Star Wars here, bro. <laughs> so this is what Star Wars is. Ben <laughs> is gonna do a synopsis, like hopefully only two sentences for each episode of season two, but Hold Ben's on, an overachiever, so he probably went a little above and beyond. Oh, uh, how kind of you, Jake. All right. Um these are all called chapters and they're all continued on from the first season. Oh, but is it like a book? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, books. Gross. Okay. Zero out of ten. This isn't a nerd podcast. We don't read. We're talking about Star Wars. Jeez. Okay. No, but um, yeah, each episode is usually like what? It's the second season, so they already start off with like chapter nine or chapter yeah, ten yeah. or something like that. And then it has a name after that. I'm not doing that. I'm just going by episode numbers within the season. Straight thugging. Uh episode one uh is when Mando helps out a marshal played by Timothy Oliphant as well as with the aid of a band of Tusken Raiders in defeating a crate dragon in exchange for Boba Fett's armor, which the Marshal wears. Yeah. Yes, sir. Episode, episode two. <laughs> episode two is when Mando agrees to escort a frog alien to their home in exchange for information and in finding other Mandalorians. They take part in a space battle or careened on an icy planet and are almost killed by a huge nest of space spiders. Episode three, after reuniting the frog alien with their home, uh, Mando, in search of other Mandalorians, is attacked by pirates, but saved by the very Mandalorians he was looking for. This group is led by a Clone Wars character, Bo-Katan. <laughs> I know I said that. And in exchange for information on where to find Jedi, Mando helps them take an Imperial ship. In Episode 4, uh, after making repairs to his ship, uh, Mando needs to stop at the planet from the last season, I forget the name of it, and help Carl Dune and Carl Weathers destroy the final Imperial base plaguing their planet. <laughs> episode 5 with the ship restored Mando travels to a planet in search of a Jedi finding Ahsoka Tano Ahsoka says she cannot train Grogu his newly discovered name for Baby Yoda <laughs> Grogu <laughs> Cleveland <laughs> my name is my Grogu Black and I am here to stay what? what if he opened his mouth and Grogu just sounded like Cleveland <laughs> Okay, um, yeah, she Ahsoka Chana says she cannot train Grogu, but 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 by helping her dethrone an impressive magistrate on the planet she is at, she will inform them on where to go and search for a Jedi teacher. On episode six, Mando takes Grogu to a planet where he can send out a signal to any Jedi still left. Grogu initiates the signal but cannot leave until finished. During so, Boba Fett, accompanied by the sniper Fennec from last season, arrives and agrees to protect the child in exchange for his old armor back. They are unable to prevent the capture of Grogu by the Empire, but Boba agrees to help Mando get him back anyways. Episode 7, Mando needs Imperial information in order to locate Grogu's captor Moff Gideon. So with the help of Cara Dune, he breaks Bill Burr out of prison so that the ex-Imperial can retrieve the info for him. Star Wars. Hey guys, I'm out of prison. Hey guys, it's me, Bill Burr. Stop my Duncan. Okay. In order to do so, they transport valuable resources in disguise to an Imperial base while fending off pirates. Once in the base, the dad from F is for Family shoots an evil ex-Superior and the two escape in a gunfight. Episode 8. Mando, Cara Dune, Boba Fett, Fennec, and Bo-Katan team up to rescue Grogu and allow... <laughs> Grogu? Gogurt. And allow Bo-Katan to purposely, personally defeat Moff Gideon and take his ship. The plan works, but Mando is forced to defeat Moff Gideon himself and inherit a dark saber Bo-Katan wants. The group is cornered by a platoon of ultra-powerful super droids and are about to make a last stand 
but are saved by a Battlefront 2 CGI face Luke Skywalker, <laughs> who has heard Grogu's signal and has come to take him away for training. Mandu and Grogu say goodbye and go separate ways. Star Wars. <laughs> Thank you, Ben, for taking us through that synopsis. It was beautiful. Well, well done. Well done. Thank you. Give me a review on Apple Podcasts. R- rate my synopsis. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's that's the Mandalorian. Alex, I know you don't like it, so I know that I like it, and I know that Ben likes it, so we're going to sandwich you who don't like it in the middle. So, Ben, yeah, go ahead and give us your initial thoughts on season two of The Mandalorian. Um, yeah, season two, I was, I was sort of excited for it. I mean, season one came and went, and it was a solid entry into the Star Wars universe. Who knows that they would have thought it'd be worth making 40 shows Jeez, yeah. <laughs> just off of the success of one. <laughs> but yeah, I thought season one was very, was well done. It was a uh, small, small stakes, uh, Western set in like the star Wars universe, but it didn't honestly even feel like it really. But this, uh, season two, it's a straight up star Wars show. Yeah. Where season one, uh, towed the line between Western this is solely focused on finding Mandalorians who are very important in Star Wars lore, and then obviously finding other Jedi to train Grogu. And then <laughs> Grogu Cleveland. <laughs> I keep doing Grogu. Grew from Despicable Me. <laughs> so we should probably note that Grogu. that Grogu, if you haven't seen it, uh, well, first off, why are you listening? Yeah, what? But second, uh, Grogu is Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Uh, baby you might have baby. seen from the tree toppers on Christmas trees or from your grandma's Hallmark gift to all of her grandkids. The Baby Yoda trend and meme was the worst trend and meme of the 20th century so far. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even a trend century. or meme. It was just like... Babu, Babu Frick is so much cuter than yeah. Baby Yoda. He's so much funnier too. <laughs> and he's not a baby. He's a grown man. He just happens to be little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a grown man. He goes to war. <laughs> He repairs droids and makes them evil. <laughs> so Ben, Ben, continue yeah. talking about what you liked about season two. Uh, but yeah, I think that I mean, obviously, it's a television show. Um, not all of the episodes are going to hit. I'm trying to remember what episode from season one didn't really hit. There was oh, one that was. It was the one where uh, the frog lady one was awful. No, the, the one where he went into the desert. And literally just sat like with a sniper the whole time. It was oh, yeah. that that was one of the worst with television. Fenwick. That was in like in just straight television. That was one of the worst ep- yeah. like, episodes. It was I've very ever very seen. very very bad. <laughs> the CGI was bad. The acting was bad. It was a boring story. Dude. Okay, anyway, go on, Ben. Yeah, we'll get to you. I'll Alex. complain later. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I feel like although the stakes weren't as high in season one, it was still a very good story with established characters. And a lore that was surprisingly well thought out for a main character that you couldn't even see his face during it. But for season two, they really went all in with these huge, gigantic set pieces, like especially in season one, like no episode one of season two, where they just come out swinging with that huge worm with the worm <laughs> from Dune that should have come out this year. Who up? <laughs> I understood that. I understood that reference. Hey. You almost did the button for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I think that the way they raised the stakes and raised the action was well-deserved considering how much, I wouldn't say how much, uh, for the amount of character work and world build, building they were doing in the first season. I think that doing so was a good step forward in 
getting people more excited for the other shows that they eventually wanted to make more money off of. Yeah. Alex, what are your thoughts on season two? All right. So <laughs> I'm going to kind of rope. It's kind of my same idea with season one and season two. I, it's so to me, it, my biggest gripe with the Mandalorian is it doesn't feel like star Wars and you can make, so to me, I think it's because Jake, you argued that the last three sequels don't feel like Star Wars either, and I think if you narrow it down to one bit thing, I think it's because George Lucas does not have anything to do with any of them. Like, if you watch the Clone Wars, he executive, he created that and executive produced that, and obviously the first six he created and executive produced and directed and whatever. So I think the minute they got away from George Lucas, Star Wars had an identity crisis where it doesn't know what it's trying to be. And The Mandalorian, I think, fits that perfectly because in season one, it's trying so hard to kind of be this new neo-Western that also is trying to fit into the to the Star Wars universe. Yeah. First. And then in season two, it's kind of doing the same thing. There's a little more Star Wars aspects in it, but it just doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. It feels like it plays every episode plays out like a video game. Mando. <laughs> Mando has to go. Mando has to go on this quest. Oh no! There's a there's a fork in the road. He somehow escapes somehow, <laughs> and then he gets like a new piece of armor. He meets a new character. Does all this? It's playing out like a video game. <laughs> and these little side quests end up on this big on this like big like main path that he is, and that's yeah. trying to find Goku. Someone to train. <laughs> season one, I was trying to like figure out, hey, who is this kid? And then season two is trying to find someone to train him out. Obviously. And uh, it just play. It doesn't play out like a show. It plays out like a like a video game. The story is. I don't like all these episodes where it just has nothing to do with the story. Okay. Really, like where just low stakes. They're just going off for like yeah. no real. Reason. Yeah, like, like there's like the only like high stake in it is that the Mando gets in danger. Like, yeah, and might like, die. Yeah, and then Ona, and then he's saved by a mysterious group and of individuals. And then he's like, oh, here's someone I met 20 minutes ago, and he saves my life. And now we're. I was best about friends. to die. <laughs> yeah. So I it, so and then obviously I was telling Jake this before we started recording. They have high production. So obviously they're trying to so like when you think of high quality television show, you think of like think of Game of Thrones, Euphoria, Barry, Mad Men. This Sopranos, just these breaking huge, big, break, Breaking Bad, these huge, big, big budget, you know, shows. And, like, Game of Thrones has, like, all, and, like, Euphoria even has all this great, like, cinematography and, like, special effects and all this stuff that makes it really great. And I think The Mandalorian is trying so hard to be that, but just for some reason, the execution isn't good. The special effects on Luke Skywalker, the final episode, <laughs> some of the worst special effects I've ever seen, and that's coming from Star Wars, which yeah. is known for having, like, the best special effects in every, like... Literally, the only thing that can rival it is probably Avengers. The event and Lord of the Rings is pretty good too. Oh, you're talking about just CGI, like CGI. Yeah, it's it's known for the special effects. I would, but this is this is a TV show. I guarantee they rushed it out. Oh yeah, Luke Skywalker yeah. was so rushed. You would have been yeah, exactly. I think at that point you would have been better off just never having his hood down. Exactly. And I think that might have honestly been cooler yeah. just as a Jedi Master, but also... Should have recast him, honestly. Yeah, they should have recast him as Sebastian Stan. They, they should have thrown they every... Can't, they can't commit him to doing they that. They should have yeah. thrown half the budget at Sebastian Stan to get him to play Luke Skywalker. Just for like five minutes. He's perfect for it. He's I, perfect. For, he's a great actor, and him, he looks exactly like a young Mark Hamill. He's the perfect I agree. role. I agree. soldier. Winter Soldier is the Jedi now? <laughs> so, Alex, I'm going to counter your point about how it doesn't feel like Star Wars. And the reason I say that is because we've narrowed Star Wars to this, like, one family to just the Jedi, just the Sith. When we get hints of it in, I'd, I'd say, like, Return of the Jedi, you get such a sense of the underworld, like Jabba the Hutt's palace. And there's so many, like, 
Like it's a whole universe within I within un- the universe. So I understand that, and I'm not saying it doesn't feel like Star Wars because like we don't see Jedi all the time. There's no all these big fights and these like huge long conquests. I think it's Star Wars because I think that goes back to what I said earlier. It has an identity crisis where it doesn't really know what it is. Yeah. They make so, and if you watch the first six movies and even the new three movies, they don't like they make so much like modern references. Like in this in the Mandalorian, I feel like the uh, who's the one lady that like watches Grogu whenever he lands on Tatooine. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, she's the droids. Oh, like, yeah. She's just—they're trying so hard to make her like this funny, quirky character, and it's just not and like using like modern slang and like this is supposed to be a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. But she's using like terms we would use, like she's talking like we would talk today, but in like we space get, talk. We get it, haircut. You don't like your droids. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. so it's just like <laughs> they're throwing in like modern references, like modern talk and modern slang into this like this series that isn't supposed to take place like millions of years ago or whatever, and it doesn't. So that's what I'm saying. And then like. uh like the frog lady, they refer to her as a frog lady. Well, so do they have frogs in Star Wars now? Like, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, we there's all these different. Yeah, creatures. his name's Yoda. We talk, they have all these different creatures. Tell me, they have frogs now too. So do they have like penguins Goker. and giraffes and elephants and all these things too. So there's just all these. It's just it feels like <laughs> it feels like they tried to make like this weird neo western type thing, but they're like okay, and then like someone came along is like, but what if it was Star Wars? And yeah. then that's what it was. So like they had, I I do agree with you script. there. Where my gripe, I don't even think it's as bad in The Mandalorian, but my gripe with the sequels is it tries to be too Marvel-y. Like, I, I can see that. In yeah. Endgame, like, whatever, Thor's playing Fortnite, which is obviously, like, tied into, like, our world, mm-hmm. but it just feels so forced. And when Star Wars tries to be Marvel and tries to make these quips, like, Star Wars, the original trilogy, is legitimately funny because Harrison Ford is an incredible actor, mm-hmm. and... <laughs> that's the only humor in the entire... <laughs> yeah, that's... For the most part. Yeah. Like, for the most part, it's natural... It's charisma. Yeah, it's charisma, and it's natural dialogue that comes about. Uh, to me, the sequels, and I do agree, some of The Mandalorian does feel forced, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I, I don't really find much humor in The Mandalorian. So I disagree. So in Avengers, I think it works because Avengers is naturally it's kind of it's kind of for a younger audience. Adults still like it. It's fine. It's the same with the Star. Where like so like it has this witty pop culture. Yeah, the Fortnite one was forced or whatever, but it has these wittiness. There's a yeah. there's like they they get off on like having these modern references and stuff for humor. If you watch like the first three six Star Wars, they don't have a whole lot of humor. When it does, it's a lot of wittiness. It's a lot of yeah. you know, offhand remarks and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, the Mandalorian this is where the fun begins. Well, the Mandalorian and the new three are Thanks, trying dude. more on modern references and like forcing jokes, and it just yeah. doesn't work. Like, no, I, like I have a weird agree. clumsy droid. Like the closest the first six got to that was Jar Jar Binks, who everybody hated, and that's why they got away from from him. You know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, you can talk about the humor Mandalorian all you want, and I, I do agree with you. Uh, I think, I think, I think. Sorry to interrupt you. Well, obviously, John Favreau comes from Marvel because he created Iron Man, you know. So I think he's <laughs> he is Iron he Man. Is he is Iron Man. He's the modern Iron Man. So I'm just picturing him on the set making those jokes over and over again, and all the crew just like hate him for it. <laughs> but like, like he, I am Iron. So he came from that, and that has such witty dialogue. I think he tried to bring that in the Star yeah. Wars universe, but it doesn't work because that's not Star Wars. That's Marvel. You know, I think it's trying so hard to be Marvel because of the success of it. I honestly don't. I disagree with the point you were making about how, like, in comparison, to, like The Sopranos or Breaking Bad. Well, that's because those are The Sopranos and Breaking Bad. This is that Star is just, Wars. Those those this shows have great writing. Show. Yeah, but this is a show streaming on Disney Plus based off of a franchise that was built for children. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of it has to do with what Star Wars built for children though. It was. Are you kidding? Well, like it's not anymore, but it was really even the Clone Wars, which aired on Cartoon Network, is super dark. Well, 
I th- I'm talking about just originally, like when when Star Wars the original in like seventies or okay. whatever came okay. out. But that was the like the first two. Maybe. I know. Ever since then, aren't like, I'm it's just a very a young adult. I'm just franchise. saying it's a very different audience because no child's gonna like turn on Breaking Bad or The Sopranos, so they target that audience. It's the thing that Star Wars is is that it has such a wide audience, similar to Marvel movies, because there's such a huge age range for people who want to go see it that they're going to stick to a certain formula that's been working in pop culture recently. Yeah. And that's the Marvel formula. Okay, so, 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 yeah, JQ, we can ahead. talk about yeah. like comparisons to Marvel all day, but I think I really like, or I, I don't say I really like it, that I view everything Star Wars, including everything Mandalorian, in a different lens than I view anything else, especially on this podcast. Just because like growing up, obviously everyone loves Star Wars. So I think I... I do view it with some nostalgic glasses on and also like I just let certain things slide that I otherwise yeah. wouldn't except for the sequels because the sequels suck. <laughs> but the I just completely I watch this differently and I view it differently. I watch it more as like a fan opposed to like okay. uh, I don't know just as like a viewer. I, I think there's a difference between the ways a, that I watch that. I can't switch that off. Like ever since I started really paying attention I just break everything down through like, no, the same, same with I can't me. switch it I can't watch as a fan I can't watch as compared to like some critiquing it ever but, since I watched Pulp Fiction it just <laughs> changed my life man what's the deeper meaning behind it but anyways I I really like the story starting in episode 5 the Jedi everything yes. before that the everything the frog person okay so I actually liked the first episode the first episode it. is excellent every time they're on Tatooine I think it's a terrible episode the <laughs> The first episode was good because it it was the traditional formula of like, oh, Mando needs to get Boba Fett's armor. He has to do a task to do so. Yeah. Comes up with a certain problem. But I think they actually executed it well, unlike other parts of the season and the series itself. But the Frog Lady episode where, yeah, where they, the spiders, <laughs> like when you talked about earlier how it felt like a video game, I literally thought that that was like a video game campaign. Like that's... Like, that's how ridiculous it felt, where they were just, like, on a ship and then getting attacked by spiders and leaving. That like, was in Harry Potter, too, wasn't it? I, like, they I got couldn't trapped tell in, like, Another a video game. off spiders? I, I don't know. I, I'm a Ganondorf or whatever. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, House Ganondorf. But starting in the episode with Ahsoka, I think the story from that is, like, I thought that was pure yeah. Star Wars, and yeah. I thought, for me, um, it didn't even... It didn't even build off... It used nostalgia, but it didn't rely on nostalgia. And I think when you're making these new Star Wars movies, obviously people they're, people are going to find a way to be pissed off no matter what. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, you just only used fan service and that's all you did. Or if they don't use any fan service, they're just going to complain that they didn't use it enough. And I thought that John Favreau and Dave Filoni kind of balanced it out the right way where they tied Ahsoka in to actually make sense with the story, not just like... Look, familiar face, Ahsoka, in person, live action. You should like it. Like that was actually a genuinely good episode, and we, mm-hmm. um, we might talk about that later when we talk about our favorite episodes. But I, I just thought the entire story itself for the last four episodes, from um, encountering Ahsoka, Boba Fett, and then later on to Bill Burr's character, and then <laughs> the fantastic finale. I thought it was all engaging. It was all important. None of it felt worthless, and I, I think it tied things in. But I think more importantly, it birthed a new like a new Star Wars universe, as we saw with Disney's announcement like two weeks ago with the fifty three new 
um, things. Like half of those are so Star Wars shows. Yeah, yeah. So this Mandalorian was very clearly like a story or not a storyboard, a springboard for like the future of Star Wars. Well, it opened up a new series, Book of Bo- Boba Fett. Yeah. Well, it directly opened up a new uh, Boba Fett series, a new Ahsoka series. Like I'm sure that there are going to be some characters that cross over into the Obi-Wan series. Yep. So very creatively Marvel was, or not Marvel, uh, Disney and Star Wars was using Mandalorian to make a good show, but they were more importantly using it to kind of build. Star Wars got marveled. I just realized that John Favreau because Iron <laughs> Man, Iron Man started no. it, and then everything branches yeah. off of Iron Man. This was Mandalorian started everything's going to branch off. Okay, I just now realized Mandalorian was the got, Iron Man. If we if we're kind of using, yeah, you just got Favreau'd that. <laughs> but uh, along with That's the, what he says, <laughs> he just keeps saying that on the set. They're just like John, shut up. <laughs> Uh, along with the story, I thought Mando's character arc was very well done. Pedro Pascal does a really good job. Mm-hmm. And they really tied the two plot lines, well, the A and B plot lines of finding the Mandalorians and finding his people, as uh-huh. well as finding Grogu's people. And the way they that they blurred the lines between how much he actually does care for Grogu and actually how much he actually doesn't know about his own people. Mm-hmm. So the way I, those two. So I, I think. Sorry to interrupt. Don't, go ahead. That was it. Okay. Uh, I think I think you're right. The I didn't. I thought season one was really weak. I thought the last episode was good because it kind of that felt like Star Wars a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I thought the I thought the last four episodes of this really felt like Star Wars. I thought yeah. the season ended while the first four were really weak. But a few plot lines. I, I love the Ahsoka plot line. I thought that was clear and far away the best episode. Um, the attached that Grogu had with Mando, I thought was beautiful in a way. Yeah, know? that like that's it's, what I was saying. It. It was not forced at all. Yeah, it, it really felt, made you care for Gru. Well, it's kind of it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's ba- it's a basic one. Like, oh, they're spending all this time. Like, he didn't like the kid at first. He's mm-hmm. kind of annoying. He's just kind of there all the time. And then the more longer they spend time with each other, they develop this bond. And now, oh, I have to let him go, but I don't want to. You know, here's someone to spend all the time with. I thought that was a great, great little plot line that was that really. I, the last episode made me think: Is that are they just going to end it now? Because he's a, he's got to go train. Now. So I think we talk about that after the review because okay. I have some points on that. Okay, but I just want to add like so: Episode one of season one, Mandalorians like Mando's just Boba Fett. Yeah, like he's a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. He's out to kill. He's out to get his possession and then leave. Mm-hmm. He is not that at the end of season two, and that is one hundred percent Grogu. Yeah, like his connection with the child in season one, like you can. I didn't go back and watch season one. I should have, mm-hmm. but there's a very clear distinction where like he starts to care about Grogu. Like, yeah. and then in season two, the episode with Ahsoka, which I also agree is my favorite and the best of the season. Yeah. Uh, when Ahsoka points out that like Mando acts as his father, mm-hmm. you like feel it. And it's like, yeah, he's actually his father. And that's what makes, um, Mando saying goodbye to Grogu at the end of the season, like actually touch your heart because it yeah. like it was genuine and real it wasn't like I, i'm gonna keep pointing back to the sequels because i hate them <laughs> but it's not like it's not like leia crying when ray's leaving because yeah. they've been on screen for three minutes together mm-hmm. in an entire three movie trilogy and like that's uh, and it's just like okay know. like yeah. obviously they're both like women and star wars and both have the force but like there's no yeah. like emotional <laughs> attachment to it and this, like, there's an actual emotional atta- attachment between Mando and Grogu, and I think that 
honestly is probably my favorite part of the series itself. That's the strongest part of the writing of this whole series mm-hmm. is that relationship. They had a great arc. Yeah. The uh, and Man- Mandalorians are supposed to be very stoic. People don't show a whole lot of emotion. You can. It's very obvious, man. Like when, so when he meets up with Ahsoka and he's like, he's like, he won't listen to me. He only listens to you. And he's trying to get him to use the force on that ball. Yeah. Like you can very tell that like, he's trying to like, he's trying to keep it together and not try to like be like a proud dad, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, and I thought that was great on Pedro Pascal, John Favreau, all the writing. Uh, the last plot point that I really loved was finding out that Mando's like actual Mandalorian kind was like basically a cults like a it reminded me a lot of mormonism so fundamentalist <laughs> so more it did it's exactly like this so so in the in the show the mandalorians developed over time like most societies does like they don't keep their helmet on all the time they don't live, live by the strict code you know it's a very more freeing kind of group of people now compared to where mando grew up where it was a very traditional type of mandalorian they still mm-hmm. live by the old types mormonism is yeah. a lot like that now where there's fundamentalist mormons that still live by old mormonism like polygamy, all that stuff. Like they don't <laughs> like women. It's it's hard to explain. Go into detail without talking about Mormonism for twenty minutes. But it reminded me a lot of that. I thought that plot point was a great addition. It, it was really fascinating too to know that basically he finds out his whole life is a lie. You know, yeah. he thinks here's people all over the world still like me, but we're kind of hidden now because it's a dying breed. But no, you're like the only one left, bro. Like no, that so that was my first thought when. That, I guess, it wasn't even really a storyline. It just kind of, like, got brought up. Yeah. And mine's, like, so, like, there's religion in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just... That's really fascinating. I, it was fascinating to me because well, I'm, like... The Force is basically a religion. Yeah, well, well, you've yeah. got all these Mandalorians, and they're, it, in a way, like, Christians, they all have the same purpose, but then there's Lutherans and Methodists and mm-hmm. Evangelicals, and they just, like, do it in an entirely different way. And yeah. I thought that that was just kind of, like interesting it would have yeah. been cool if they like built an entire episode off of it but mm-hmm. i f- they have plenty of room to go with that because the way that season three looks like it'll be set up it looks like they're gonna uh the mandalorian's gonna go with them on bo ship to mm-hmm. mandalore yeah and he's gonna try and reimmerse himself in that society yeah and i feel like the religious aspect will come up uh that'll be an interesting dynamic with him <laughs> being the um being at odds with the leader of their entire race well like, Mandalor- think- M- Mando is-, is like the king of Mandalore now. Yeah. That's, sword, so having like the dark, dark saber, saber yeah. like that's what it means. So, yes, Grogu. That's going to be, so, be fascinating. Yes, yeah. Grogu is gone. And like it seems like they entirely wrapped up that storyline. But Mando just not handing over the dark saber clearly indicates that like Mandalorian is not ending. Like they're going to, there's going to be a season three and he's going to be the king of Mandalore. Whether he hands it off to Bo-Katan immediately and they have their fight or... I mean, honestly, or he just goes back to just like roaming the galaxy. Like, there's yeah. going to be a season three. Honestly, what if it just like turns to with season three? It's just like the planet of Mandalore against the Empire. Like, it's honestly just a war. That would be awesome. Yeah. Like, just I still, boots on the ground stuff. Bokaton and Mando are still going to fight for the Darksaber, though. That has, that has to be a plot point. I feel like he doesn't care, though. I don't know. He doesn't care, but she be, does. she does. It would be cool if they made him care for some reason. It, I don't know so, how they would or if they would. So if, he and, like, if he like starts to care, like like yeah. what if they get to the planet and they're like following his orders? Like, wait a minute, I kind of like this. Yeah, <laughs> that would be super <laughs> interesting. Be yeah. So in Clone Wars, Bo-Katan by default gets the Darksaber yeah. and she's almost mocked by her people and she doesn't feel worthy. So that's why she wouldn't gracefully accept it yeah. this time. Yeah. Be- because she wouldn't, she didn't feel worthy the first time. So... Uh, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they ended the Mandalorian after season three. I feel like losing. I feel like Grogu leaving the show to develop his own storyline. I feel like that's going to lose a lot of people, and I feel like they might even have a trouble kind of picking back up with new storylines because the whole storyline is just who's season one, who's Grogu, season two, find him a Jedi to train him. Season three, well, the main character basically of the show is gone. So now. We have to develop all these new plot points, new people. I don't. I bet Bill Burr's character probably isn't back. I hope he does. Honestly, well, I love his character. Well, let's yeah. be honest. Even if season three flops hardcore and it's just boring and not good, it already served its purpose as like springboarding the other yeah. shows. Then they're just gonna solo it and cut all of the things they just announced. I, yeah. I think it was starting to find its identity a little more towards the end of the season, so I hope they build on that more. I mm-hmm. hope they don't fall back into kind of struggling to figure out what it is as a show in the third season. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think at this point, like, Mando kind of hates the Empire. Like, mm-hmm. at first, he's kind of like, he's really oh, as long as they don't get in my way, they're fine yeah. or whatever. But, like, <clears throat> when they... That message hologram that he sent that was like a uh, taken two. Yeah, <laughs> was, uh, they did. Th- I think that had to be just a promo for the next episode because that's so out of character. Yeah, that's so wack. That was not right. But whatever. Like that showed like that was personal when they took Grogu. So yeah. I could I like Ben said I could see like not obviously an entire like um Mando whatever the planet's called Mandalore. Uh, yeah, Mandal. I wanted to call it Mandor. <laughs> uh, Mandalore Mand- against the Empire, Mandy but Moore. I think that's a potential storyline where they could go where, like, Mando just keeps fighting Moff Gideon. I hope. Do you think they're gonna? Still in, alive, do you yeah. think they're gonna incorporate like a Sith Lord in eventually? That'd be sick. Well, I don't think they will in Mandalorian. I think they will in the Ahsoka show. In the Ahsoka show, uh, they I, mentioned uh, Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, Thrawn. who's a big character in he's not Rebels. A, he's not a Sith Lord. He's just a. He's like the best general that the Empire. Yeah, ever he's had. like yeah. ten times more evil than. Is that the guy with the big cat? Yeah, he's he kind of like a. He's ten times thing? more evil than Tarkin. He's in Clone Wars. The isn't guy he? with the hat. What? He's in Clone he, Wars. He wears the no, super he, tall hat, right? Wait, what's his no, name? No, he's he's just blue. He's just like. Oh a, yeah, yeah. He's a blue alien. What's his name? Admiral Thrawn. Admiral. And it's spelled how you sound. But yeah, when she attacked um, the the Asian girl. Uh, yeah, on so yeah. when she attacked her, she was asking for okay. Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, I was pretty thinking, much, I was thinking of something because she, I think she answers to Thrawn. Okay, yeah, I was thinking of someone else in in uh, Clone Wars. Are you? Are you did you watch Rebels? <laughs> no, no. I'm with, not gonna watch. Guy Rebels. with the big funny hat. Well, there's a guy in season one. There's a general that's like a war criminal or something like that that are trying to try and then he escapes because it's Star Wars. So I want to talk about one more thing that I liked. You guys can obviously talk more. I think the action is really good. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's pretty simple. It's never really like. Honestly, I wasn't blown away by all aspects of the action. I think when they get into gunfights, it's pretty interesting. But then there'll be times. <laughs> shout out to Kern Wadley. But there was a moment when Mando uh, told Bo-Katan and her crew to cover him, and then he just walked into a ton of fire, yeah. and then they didn't cover him at yeah. all. <laughs> like, a lot of times with the armor, it just comes down to him just getting shot a whole lot. And, like, well, obviously, there's stormtroopers and they're garbage. Mm-hmm. But, like, still, like, there's, like, there were stakes when, like, that super um, dark droid or whatever <clears throat> came up. And I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of that at times because... Up until that, like when the rest of the crew were just going through the base in the final episode, mm-hmm. like they were just murking everybody. Those stormtroopers were garbage. I thought Ahsoka's 
uh, scenes where she was fighting was re- were really good. Oh, so it goes both ways. But I actually disagreed with you at that point. Really? Yeah, I didn't think Ahsoka's fight scenes were amazing. Mostly because I think they're trying to go a more practical way with lightsaber fighting lately. Because obviously those were real people doing choreographed fights. Mm-hmm. The prequels had the best lightsaber fights out of all of them. Well, they all took like That's cool. three or four jujitsu classes to do so. I think you got to do that for all of them. I think, honestly, I think... They just keep it consistent. Calm down, Jake. But I think the last Jedi uh, throne room uh, lightsaber scene is one of the best. I agree. Really good I, yeah. uh, as much flax I'll give the sequels, they do lightsaber... Uh, duels insanely well. I think that was the. There's just between, no emotional stake behind them. That yeah. was the difference between the show and obviously those uh, sequels. I mean, obviously they have a lot more to work with as a film, but I feel like there was something a little bit lacking from in that particular uh, Ahsoka fight. The one are you talking about the one on one with the lady with the staff? Yeah, I thought that was I thought it was decent. So I, I harped on the special effects a little bit. I will say I think. The lightsabers in the Mandalorian are the best designed lightsabers yet. I think the blades look the best out of any of the movies. Well, the blades on whatever planet they were in, or whatever planet they were on on Episode Five for the Ahsoka episode, that might have been like the cool Star Wars planet. Just like yeah, the the fog, the dark, dreary fog yeah. that made the lightsabers just pop off. I just thought I thought I was, I was like watching it. I was like that. It's like it's clearing away my favorite light. It's like a white lightsaber too. It was really sick. Mm-hmm. I thought. Whoa. I want to come back to this Halloween Town planet. <laughs> I just thought I thought this, I thought that was the best special effects in the whole thing was the design of the lightsaber. It was I thought if they no, do that I with agree. the rest of the movies, I think it would look really good. Uh, you said the action. Do you think that it was good all across the board for you? Do you have any? No, like, no. So I examples? I actually cut myself off. I was gonna say I like all of the Mando action, uh, but the action between like either Bo-Katan or Cara Dune just like shooting people is very just. It's very like just stereotype, like just final battles type stuff. Like yeah. they're just shooting people. Yeah. But I thought specifically my favorite. Uh, I guess there's probably two, but Mando's fight with Moff Gideon. Gideon I was just about to say that yeah. was incredible. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was that was good. Yeah. I thought that was the best, like the best done. But I like action isn't like my thing that I can really like break down really I just all looks the same (laughs) I I just thought it was done extremely well yeah and then on top of that uh, both of Boba Fett's fight scenes in his first episode were absolutely incredible oh okay he made so there's very few points in Star Wars where like a stormtrooper being there is going to be remembered or important at all. Mm-hmm. But when Boba Fett was just <laughs> destroying like the stormtrooper's armor, yeah. <laughs> like that was awesome. We need more brutality. Yeah. Cuz like, that's what that was. Yeah. That was just blunt force. Yeah. And then his his entrance with his armor. I I still think that's probably my favorite uh moment of the entire season. Uh-huh. Boba so first off, what did you guys think of them recasting the guy that played Jango Fett as Fett as Boba Fett? He's awesome. Solid. He's so good. Really? Of course. It's a good. It makes sense that he'd sound literally exactly the same as him. I think I I, I like it too, just because it's his dad. So obviously he's gonna look like him. Mm-hmm. I think they should have cast the kid the funny, from the prequels. The funny, <laughs> I think isn't that kid like a drug addict now or something like that? Probably. I mean, he saw his dad get deca- decapitated. I wouldn't blame him. All child extras are. But uh, but no, I thought the funniest. I thought easily the funniest thing in this series was the guy that played. Jango Fett now Boba Fett is clearly like way out of shape so when he put on the suit he had like a belly (laughs) he looked like way too big for the suit I noticed that because he's like wearing a robe underneath it (laughs) he 
just see his stomach. It's like, dude, he didn't even try to get in shape. <laughs> Just, mean, he looks cool when he's got like that huge cape and cowl. Yeah, but dude, then when he puts the armor on way over, too tight. <laughs> he looks. He looks like. He looks like you asked your dad to go as Boba Fett with you as your Jango oh, yeah. Fett. He's just. He's suit this way too small for him. He just got the plastic shoulders, chest, and helmet, and that's it. Yeah. Well, I will say, like my biggest gripe with season two is it was very, very, very clearly rushed. Yeah, and like. Tamora Morrison was very obviously asked to do this back in April. Yeah. Like, like you're not going to give me time to get back in shape at all. No, like we're filming tomorrow. And that's like, that's one of the, I guess that's part of it being a TV show with like these blockbuster movies. You're given years, two years to write it. And then another two to direct it. So, so what would, so like the last season of game, the last season of Game of Thrones, it took him like two years to make. What would you think about Mando taking like a seer, like taking a little longer to make a? They can't do that. Make a season. They got to get on that Disney grind. Do you every think? Dis- year. Do you think Disney's just rushing them? I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, they got a schedule to put out. The the difference between all of these, it sort of comes back to the Sopranos versus Breaking Bad versus Mando, is that I feel like those were all made by individuals. This is definitely made by committee. Well, well no, Dave, I mean, even you really. look at it from. Like a community standpoint, just because I watch community a lot. Ew. Like community was Dan Harmon's dream show. Yeah. So everything that happened in his first three seasons was like all his vision, mm-hmm. everything that he wanted. And season two is kind of like John Favreau, maybe like, oh yeah, I, I kind of like that. Let's roll with it. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where the Disney ish comes in where they are on a set schedule and if they don't have time to cast this person as who yeah. they want to be yeah. like you just got to roll with what you got <laughs> you got to cgi his face in <laughs> gosh it's, that was it looks so bad it's, i remember i remember like jake you said it, and a few other people were like dude the last episode's incredible and i was like all right and then i saw him i saw the green lights and i was like oh it's luke and then i saw him said it was like what is that <laughs> it looks so bad <laughs> Like the face was like shit. It was like the face was like floating on the front of his head. It looked like a like a deep fake, a terrible deep fake you see on like TikTok or something. Or just yeah, yeah, sure, TikTok. Some nineteen year old kid just did it in his free time in between his you know biology one on one. No, it was it was not good. That like that hands down was probably the worst part of the season. Other than, yeah. but I think that was the worst part of the a, season. For put me in a bad mood when I, I saw I think it. because I like, it's what is this? I but I think I again because I was able to view it through my Star Wars lens. I'm like. It's Luke Skywalker. I'll be able to get over it. And yeah. I guarantee you by next year, they it, they get the special effects better. They make him actually look decent. And then they just re-upload the episode. Just like, re, I hope they just recast They, they knew that it would make everyone upset. So they had to throw in like 30 seconds of just a lone shot on R2-D2 freaking out. You could tell like every scene that Luke wasn't talking in it, they had his like head cut off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's one where they're like filming Grogu next to him, and there's literally his whole body except for his head. <laughs> uh, gosh, what else? So I didn't like the dialogue as much as season one. I just think it's a bad script. I don't remember the I dialogue think a whole lot. Well, if they're rushing the, the whole show, I wouldn't be surprised if the script is rushing. The through. reason you don't remember it is because there isn't a lot, and I think Mandalorian is better when there's not a lot of dialogue. I he, think it's, he doesn't talk, but a lot of people talk at him in this. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, you're a Mando. Oh, but you're one of those kooky religious nuts. Oh, take the helmet off. Take like, it off." It's like Pete Davidson in King of Staten Island, where like I'm pretty sure he didn't start any conversation in that movie. It was just everyone talking to him. So I rewatched <laughs> him react. Yeah, <laughs> earlier today I rewatched the the Jedi episode, the Ahsoka episode, and yeah. 
it was nearly a spotless episode until the final uh until the final battle where Ahsoka was fighting whatever her name was and Boba Fett or not Boba Fett Mandalorian was having the standoff with with the, yeah. with the other guy. Yeah, that was weak. If yeah. they just stared at each other and he didn't try and make uh if he didn't try and like make small talk while doing it and that was kind of like the marvely yeah side of it where it, the other guy was just trying to quip with him I, forced humor forced it? humor for sure. and it would have been it might have been funny if the guy's like oh yeah who do you think's going to win the fight and Mandalorian didn't say anything mm-hmm. but he responded something like oh it'll be my person or I can't remember what it was it was just very forgettable yeah. and I think it would have been better if like Mando just gave him like the blank stare with his mask like mm-hmm. <laughs> like the LeBron <laughs> the LeBron picture <laughs> you hear that cricket Season three, he's the king of Mandalore. Everyone's asking him these deep questions. He's just not answering. (laughs) He just stares back. So we're getting massacred out there. What should we do? But uh, another... I got dark (laughs) sable. He just keeps holding it up. Another point, I I forgot to write down who did it, but uh, they made a video like halfway through season one about like the difference of dialogue between... Mandalorian and the last Jedi mm-hmm. and the last Jedi, obviously horrible dialogue, but the F- Mandalorian started out good because so pretty much every time he would get in a ship, he would just fly somewhere Yeah, and you'd be clueless. Like, okay, what planet is this? And then you, they, they would show you what's going on. They wouldn't tell you, mm-hmm. but I noticed in season two, they stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. Like Mando would say to Grogu, like, all right, we're going to go to this planet and we're going to rescue this guy and we're going to find him. And I don't like that. I'd yeah. rather him just get in the ship, fly there, and, and then not have knowing what to expect. Yeah, not what. knowing what to expect, and just having the the cinematography and the story tell you what's going on. Not not Mando <laughs> yeah. like talking to you in the third person. Cinematography. I wouldn't say. I mean, you've or not the cinematography, the scenery. I know what you mean, mm-hmm. but when you said cinematography, I was like, okay, sick. So it's just gonna be drab. Reverse, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shots because the cinematography isn't amazing except no. for episode one. They did scale very well. Ah, uh, dude, I hate Tatooine. <laughs> okay, explain that. It's just you said a, that earlier. So in so the episode in Tatooine season one, far and away, was some of the worst TV I've ever seen. They just the CGI of the sand just doesn't look good. You can see the green screen of it. So over the top of the dunes, where like the the peak of the dunes meets the sky, you can see like tints of green in it where like the green screen is. <laughs> it looks terrible. Really? Yeah, the sand looks awful. And then uh, Tatooine's also just such a boring planet. Like nothing, it's just... But it's the first planet. It's just so, like... So yeah, I'll disagree. It's so boring. I I'll disagree. <laughs> I like Tatooine. I don't like any other desert planet though. So like Tatooine is Jakar. obviously... Like that's where Jakku... Yeah. I'm trying to think of the one from... Jakku is the sequels. <laughs> Yeah, the first one, yeah. But, like, Tatooine is just where like everything happened. It's where Anakin yeah. was born. It's where Luke was born. It It's there for, like, structural purposes. I don't like it as, like, just an action field all the time. Yeah. It lo- it was awesome in Return of the Jedi just as, like, the there, Sarlacc were pit. Were they there in Solo? Probably. No, I don't think they were. They're in some other sand planet. They're in a different but, sand planet. But anyways, like, any other sand planet that that they have is just, like, I feel like lazy yeah. and just like, well, why not just go to a different? I like how <laughs> it's a universe that is literally up to the imagination to determine because it's endless. And then there's a sand planet. There's a snow planet. There's a veggie planet. Mm-hmm. And then there's a stone planet. Well, <laughs> stone if we want to give the, if we're just talking about Star Wars in general, if we want to give the prequels credit, 
world They just building. had so many unbelievably creative planets. I think the prequels have aged really well. The prequels have aged well because they're <laughs> they creative. They haven't aged amazing. It's just that the fact that they're so much more colorful. I mean, because obviously what? the fact that it came back, I don't think it was because he wanted to advance the story. I think it was just because they wanted to build on Star Wars. And it's because we it? watched it when we were seven, yeah. eight, nine years old, and now we're 19. Damn, episode three is so good, though. The dialogue, the dialogue and the script is terrible, though. Oh, yeah. The script and the script and dialogue is terrible. The world world building is good, but script dialogue, <laughs> acting, I CGI, think the special acting, effects. Do you want to talk about acting? The chick that plays Cara Dune is one of the worst actors I've ever seen in a major role. <laughs> She's a UFC fighter. Is she really? Used yeah, she acts like one. Yeah, <laughs> dude, dude, she's so bad. I don't know. I I was happy she wasn't in this, and then they brought her back like episode like five or something. Yeah, it's like oh my god. That that's that's one of my few gripes. It's just like it's so like there's just so many throwaway characters. Yeah, that like you're also I hate the like you're oh, supposed to remember. I hate to like oh it's Bill Burr. Yo, it's Bill Burr. He's not a Star Wars guy. He's like, cracking wise. Like once every episode, they have like works, once every episode they have like this like B list actor that comes, and they're like, "Guess who it is? He's got a tiny <laughs> role this episode, and then you never see him again." <laughs> it's like just get rid of that. Just like give us more. Give us like better actors, even if they're not Guess well known. That are going to be season it. three. It's Jesse Ware. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Bill Burr is back, and he's not a prisoner of war anymore. <laughs> oh, look who it is. It's Chris. Guess it's Chris Tucker. Guess who's back? Disgraced comedian Chris D'Elia. Well, I mean, honestly, outside of Samuel Jackson, when was the last time Star Wars casted like an insanely Natalie established? Yeah, Natalie Portman. But even then, she was still like established. She was in V for Vendetta. Was that before the prequels? I think that was the nineties. That was before. Yeah. Okay, but for the most part, like they're they, not. Ewan McGregor was pretty B-list at the time. Yeah, they're not casting, like, insanely well. Like, well, well, like yeah, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, even... Uh, I'd also, say yeah, Adam he, Driver was no, kind of established. Uh, not really. Adam Driver he, really blew up after Star Wars. It's just... Yeah, I agree. I think it's just that you don't want to have a huge uh, A-list actor to take you out of it. Because, like, yeah. obviously... You're gonna think it's so jank if you see Matt Damon or George Clooney in a oh, Star yeah. Wars film. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so I think it's just along know, the, those lines. Honestly, in the sequels, I think well Donald Glover obviously that wasn't really a sequel. Oh, I forgot about him. He, Donald Glover was that's kind of a he's still a good actor though. I think he pulled it off well. But I think in the sequels, the biggest name actor is probably Oscar Isaac as far as most established. Like no one else really was yeah. in anything. Ben, do you have a favorite episode that counters that? My favorite episode was the second to last, the Bilber episode. That was a good one. I think that was so solid with the heist at the beginning. Not the heist, where the defending against the pirates while the that was truck is moving. That's some of the action I forgot to talk about. That that was was, very well done. That was great. Like that's just like a set piece that I would think of seven years old on my kitchen floor. Yeah, like that was cool. And then it turns into an inglorious bastards where he Uh, shoots the general. That wasn't that was insane. I Mm -hmm. love that. Like different like undertones Mm -hmm. between uh, Bill Burr talking to the guy who shot um shot the Waynes in the early Batman trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> That's who that was. <laughs> no, but just seeing like that happen, like that cool Inglorious Bastards moment, and then they're just shooting their way out yeah. and climbing out on the outside. I want to say, I have nothing against Bill Burr being this. I thought he did a great job. Oh, it's yeah, just me like, too. I'm no. watching him like, that's Bill Burr. Why is he no, in so, Star Wars So the, the Bill Burr episode in season one was very forgettable. 
the Bill Burr episode in season two was really good. Was up there for one of my favorites also, and yeah, that so good. It it's all like a very good episode, but that single scene where they were uh, infiltrating the infiltrating the Empire's base or whatever it was, yeah. and had the sit down conversation with the general. Like, yeah, that was Intense. very well done acting. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They even try to do like a smaller one of that in the beginning of the last episode where they where they like try to t- k- kidnap the scientist. The oh guard yeah, like talks about it, he's like yeah, I killed your people on Endor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that like, was it's like a three minute scene. It's like why was that so intense for I like no how, reason? I like how I was like I noticed the tear tattoo. Is like <laughs> uh, like so if you're on Alderaan or if you're an Alderanian, you have a tear tattoo because your planet blew up but if you, you ever get it but if you ever if you ever tear tattoo <laughs> in the real world you killed someone in prison <laughs> so yeah. do we get into ratings uh, i guess okay i watched rogue one or i watched a lot, right? rogue one best star wars movie so i watched the second half of rogue one this morning after i tested negative for covid the best part of the movie uh, the my dad was watching it so i watched well, the like end the of final it third. and part of me part of me after I've watched the last episode and rewatched it again and was like, oh my gosh, Luke Skywalker, part of me was like, is that like almost on par with the Vader scene? And then I watched the Vader no. scene and I'm like, no. it's not, it's not even kidding? close. It's not even close. That Vader scene's so good. <laughs> but but and they, so- they threw it in like weeks before they test screened it. Really? Yeah, like that was thrown in at the last, last, mm-hmm. last. I got chills watching it the first time I remember. But yeah. talking about chills. Luke's scene, it wasn't anywhere near on par as the Vader. But the way that they made Luke fight, just like Anakin does in the prequels, yeah. I thought was very well done. The fact that like it shows the difference between a Jedi and a Mandalorian mm-hmm. when Mando couldn't take on one or could barely take on one of those dark troopers by himself. And then Luke just comes and kills 50 of them. Like it's nothing. Yeah. And I just think like Nate magic is going to send me a very angry text for all the harping I'm doing on the sequels, (laughs) but all we wanted after 40 years of like seeing Luke Skywalker, all we wanted was to see Luke just go ham on something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I know what Rian Johnson was trying to do with the Fallen Hero arc, but not seeing Luke just do Luke things, I think was one of the most damaging things that the sequels did. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah. John Favreau and Dave Filoni heard Star Wars fans and the uh, people that live in their mom's basement. Mm-hmm. He saw that they were pissed. Yeah, and he just gave he gave us Star Wars fans five minutes to just be little kids and watch Luke Skywalker be a Jedi Master and. For that, even if it wasn't perfectly done or uh, <laughs> horrible CGI, <laughs> I thank them for that because that yeah. made that entire season worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. I, f- I forgot what it was in reference to, but uh, I saw a video done a few years ago um, that uh, Patrick H. Willems, he's a YouTuber, uh, did a video on Star Wars, and he was talking about how after one of the newer released uh, Star Wars movies came out, a lot of the reviews were like, we just... We just want to be reminded of back the way that things were. And literally one comment said, what if we just had like a Darth Vader scene from Rogue One, but Luke did it instead? Yeah. Like yeah. we just need that kind of like grounding grittiness. Like, and that was said like three years ago or something like that. And like the, the more that I look back on the last Jedi, I'm always going to say I hate it because I do. Yeah. <laughs> but like Luke's arc is actually very good in that movie mm-hmm. and him being force projected does make sense and it's kind of cool 
But just like imagine how cool it would have been if Luke like pulled down three ATATs with a with the force and then Kylo just kills him and he saves um, yeah. the day still. Yeah. Like it would have been so much better if he like um, if we got to see Luke be a hero. Do you but, think they're gonna make a Luke after This is all ev- just this is nothing to do with the Mandalorian. Yeah, this is nothing to do with Mandalorian. <laughs> do you think they're gonna make a Luke after episode six movie? No, they're not gonna make a movie. Sebastian Stan. They're not gonna Sebastian. They're not gonna make a movie, but this isn't the last we're going to see of Luke, I don't think. It can't be. He's the most prominent gonna Star m- Wars character of all time besides Vader, I think. They're going to milk that. Yeah, they're If I know Disney, they're just going to milk. <laughs> they're going to milk this and we're going to be sick of Star Wars TV shows in 5 years. If they just oh if boy, they do, do them, if they're just better, if they just do them well, milk it all you want. If I, they I just, love there's so Star Wars universe is so big. They could make movies for years and still not touch And, all and that's it. the thing. The Star Wars universe is so big. That it doesn't all have to be based around Luke Skywalker and Jedi. Well, there's canon, and then there's also legends now. So there's, mm-hmm. like, two different storylines. Okay. okay, what was the last thing we said about the Mandalorian? Because, like, I feel like we Great. could have a, we could have an entire just Star Wars free-form conversation. Yeah. Okay, we got to get back yeah, to we'll get back to Mando. We also got two other segments to do after this, too. Yeah. Two short segments. Okay. okay but okay, let's, okay. let's rate Mandalorian. Okay. Ben? Right. Uh, yeah. I thought the season was super solid. It had some really good elements, but at the same time, it's also kind of formulaic in the way where Mando says he exposits to someone what they're about to do. Uh, He gets attacked by a group of people. He almost dies. He's saved by the people that he needs help with, and then he helps them with something, and then they give him something else to move on with. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's formulaic. That's not necessarily a negative dig. It's just a factual statement because that's how the story works, but I'm talking about that a lot. Yeah, uh, I think that it goes either way. It's good and bad, as most things are, and it settles around to, I'd say, a 7 out of 10 for the season two. I would agree. I'm going to go 7. I've, I've been bouncing around between, like, 6.5 and, and 7, and I'll get, since it's Star Wars, I'll give it the benefit of a doubt. I'll give it a 7. <laughs> so I want to give it a better rating, but it's not fair of me to to judge a show like let's just say Dave, where <laughs> if if we took the best episodes of Dave, it's, it's probably like a six and a half, but if you take all of Dave together, it's like yeah. a four and a half. Yeah. So Mandalorian season two at its best, I think for me is personally like an eight, maybe 8.25, but it's impossible to ignore episodes two, three, and four that are just like extremely pointless and i'm honestly never going to rewatch any of those ever again it felt like a chore like, <laughs> the, like the, really? the frog lady episode i was like can we just get well on with this? it like, was so hard for me to watch episode five until my dad was like you have to watch this and yeah. i know like if my dad's saying that like yeah. i should watch it and then that's when the back half and, and that's when it turns yeah. but it's impossible to ignore the first half of the season so i'm gonna give it a Seven and a half on my scale, but on my Star Wars scale, which is Last Jedi to Empire, I'm going to give it uh, a nice, solid Mace Windu. Would you rather watch the sequels? That or doesn't the, help at all. Would you rather Would you rather watch the sequels? <laughs> my comparison chart based off of movies, it's this character. So besides the, so just like not even, in, like not even considering the time, would you rather go back and watch the Mandalorian or the sequels? Mandalorian, easily. Really? Yep. I think I'd watch the sequels. Are you counting Rogue you One mean, and Solo sequels? I'm talking, about, I'm talking about all the ones with Ray and... and no. Right. I, Mandalorian, for sure. I, I mean, I didn't like them, but I just really don't like the Mandalorian. It just doesn't do it, it, just doesn't do it for me. 
All right, uh, next segment. That's fair, because everything on the Turbo Team podcast is subjective, other than La La Land being a top three movie of all time. Yeah, don't talk to us if you don't agree with that. <laughs> um, so our and last couple segments Marshall. of the day, uh, it is uh, almost 2021. Ben sing Auld Lang Syne, like middle school choir again. <laughs> I didn't do that in the first place. Uh, so we are gonna kind of. That's not even it. <laughs> we're gonna recap a little bit about 2020, what we watched and stuff like that. We're gonna list every single movie and TV show that we watched from the start of 2020. It's a five-hour episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, five-hour no. turbo special. So we are gonna rank personally each of our top three of something new that came out in 2020 that we watched, and then after that, we're gonna just talk about our favorite thing that we watched that might have come out in 1970 okay. something like that all right <laughs> 1970 so, or just something new that you hadn't seen up before this year but it's a new favorite okay i saw 1917 but that took place in 1917 so can i talk about that so alex we're gonna have you go first uh our top three things that came out in 2020 that we watch can be shows movies but for the most part it'll probably just be movies says so a movie pod start at three all right, three. so number three I watched, <laughs> number three I watched this year was, um, <laughs> number three was Palm Springs. We did an episode on it. I think I that was know. one of our weaker, that was like their last like comedy movie we reviewed, wasn't it? Because I think we stopped doing comedy movies after that. I don't know, platform. <laughs> yeah. After we watched the interview, we just gave up on trying to do comedy movies. Basically, <laughs> but uh, Palm Springs is one of our weaker episodes. I was also really tired. I went hiking all day and then drove... I drove eight hours that day, two, four, four to Pikes Peak, four back, and then I was dead tired by the time we recorded it. So it was a weaker episode, but I genuinely liked the movie. I thought it was, I thought it was really funny. I thought Andy Samberg's performance was like really good because he had it was almost like a dramatic performance for him. He's clearly yeah. like a very there's guy. lots of underlying context for this character. I thought it was a really solid movie. I don't a lot of people <laughs> didn't like it. I really liked Palm Springs. I thought it was a good. lot of people didn't like it. Nate Magic didn't like it. A lot it. of people didn't like it. Well, he Anime the like program. It. He doesn't like everything. A few people, yeah. Just, oh, 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 just, I got to interrupt. Okay. <laughs> Nate Magic, <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> he asked me. Timestamp. <laughs> no, I'm not timestamping it. That's the effect. <laughs> he, he asked me the other day what was up, and I'm like, oh, I'm just watching uh, pop star uh, <laughs> never stop stopping. never never stop yeah. stopping and he's like oh is that the one with Adam Sandberg <laughs> <laughs> the sound effect <laughs> and I'm like yes Adam Sandberg from Hot Rod and he's like who's what's Hot Rod <laughs> he went he went zero for two on that yeah <laughs> award winning listener Nate Magic but anyways <laughs> Alex what's your number two <laughs> All right, so that was my number two. Uh, my number two, Trial of Chicago 7. We raved about it for an hour on the episode. I don't really have too much more to say about it. It was a solid movie. I gave it a... I didn't give it a 10 on my movie scale, but as far as like the context of it, I gave it a 10. I thought it was a really well done movie. Probably my favorite movie this year. I haven't seen Tenet yet, but probably my favorite movie this year. Well, actually, no, because my, it's my number two. So... <laughs> that, that is, how, that is how numbers favorite, work. My favorite movie is number one, Devil All the Time, uh, Tom Holland. Who else was in that? Bill Skarsgård. Um, someone else was in that. Was... That was it. Oh, Robert Pattinson. That's yeah, Pattinson. So I thought, I thought that was a really well done movie. It was a little long, but I thought the length worked because of all the storylines I had to tie together. 
the American Gothic type of feel to it. I absolutely love. It's some of my favorite. It's probably my second favorite genre behind Western. So I thought it's a really well done movie. I don't think it's going to win a whole lot of awards or even get the credit it deserves. But I thought I thought Tom Holland's performance in it was really good. I thought Robert Pattinson's was really good. And it was a really good movie. And it was uh, my favorite thing I watched uh, this year that came out this year. So Beautiful. Well done. Solid. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, starting for number three for me, uh, I have The Gentleman. Uh, it's a Guy Ritchie film that came out in January, way before things. Dude, were closed. January twenty twenty is not real. You can't, January twenty twenty was a movie. Dude, I remember so much from this year. Like I, remember, I could tell you <laughs> things that happened in March. I don't like. Big I remember almost, this. The only thing is like because twenty twenty flew by. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, it was uh, an amazing movie. I absolutely loved the cast. It had. I obviously loved it. That's why I'm having to look it up right now. No, but Charlie Hunnam, Hugh Grant, Colin Farrell, Matthew McConaughey, Michelle Dockery, uh, my man's Jeremy Strong. It was an excellent cast, and I think that the way it all just interweaved like different crime um, elements, as well as like having a very sharp and like quirky tone to it, because it's all supposed to be like a screenplay being read aloud, and then the fact that it's all just British slang the entire time. <laughs> It's Matthew McConaughey's British in it. <laughs> no, he's the only American in it. Figures. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be bad. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, it was just a really fun movie. The last time I could have enjoyed that before, you know, You're fun watching, left all of our watching lives. It in theaters. Like, man, can't get better than this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for French Dispatch Dune. <laughs> yeah, and Tenet to come out so I can see that in theaters. Oh yeah, speaking of Tenet, that's my number two. Wow, smooth transition. Clearly, I just off the top and dumb. But honestly, I know a lot of people think that it's a little. It was a little reaching for the content of the film because it was part Inception, part James Bond, and so much of it was just exposed straight to your face because that's so many different difficult concepts, <laughs> a context to grasp. But honestly, after I watched it completely legally. I was very taken aback by just how much I ended up thinking about it afterwards because it's very thought-provoking when all of the uh, ends tie together. Personally, I think seamlessly. It may be hard to grasp at points, but going back and uh, revisiting it and just enjoying it again, it was it was the blockbuster film that got taken away from us, and I personally really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And number one was Chicago 7. Hey, yeah, amazing. Hey, yep. And nothing else to say. Sorkin don't miss. Aaron Sorkin, baby. Except when he does. So <laughs> I really hated that one time. <laughs> All right, Jake. My number three is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It literally came out like last week. It's a Netflix original, uh, directed by George C. Wolf. Uh, it's actually produced by Denzel Washington, but it's starring the late Chadwick Boseman. It's actually his last film. Oh, okay, I know what this is. Uh and Viola Davis. It's <laughs> it's just the story of kind of like exploitation of black blues artists in the I guess pre-American 1950s where America was around in the 1950s, dog. Hey, yo, yo. No, like <laughs> the exploitation of America of black blues players where they okay. would make music, uh they would during but segregation, before they would buy it for rights. super cheap, and yeah. then someone like Elvis would remake it mm -hmm. and gain the profit off of it. It was it was pretty much the story of that, and just like a 
it was Chadwick Boseman in a role we've never seen where he was mentally insane. It was actually really? it was pretty good. I'll have to watch it. Yeah. Uh, Viola Davis is really good in that too. Yeah, she's she's pretty good. At Zach Fox. But yeah, I watched that last night and it was good. My number two, we said no or I guess we said there weren't really any shows that would qualify, but I don't think there's anything that is gonna be like remembered more in twenty twenty than the last dance. Okay. When yeah. I think I of, didn't remember it until you brought it up just when, now. When I think of like being quarantined and just like locked in our house, I think of looking forward to last dance every Sunday night at eight o'clock. And I think like for me, just because it's <laughs> it's ten parts and an hour long, it's gonna be hard to rewatch it. But the last dance is definitely one of the highlights that came out in twenty twenty. And then number one trial the Chicago seven, just yep. like performances all around, Sasha Baron Conan and just Absolutely incredible film. It, it made my top five of all time. Really? Yeah. Number we, five, we, isn't it? Yep. Wow. We said that. It, it, I gave it a 10 out of 10. In, incredible story. Great dialogue. Uh, great performances. Like, just all around. Go listen to whatever episode it was. Probably 29, 30, something like that. But we gave it high praise and talked about it for an hour. It's unfortunate <laughs> that that probably isn't going to get the amount of recognition or rewards that it should. I yeah. genuinely, I don't know. I couldn't. Well, I like Devil all the time a little more, but as far as acting and story goes, I think that's the better movie. There were no flaws. I think there. I think that's a better movie. I just enjoy Devil all the time a little more, but I it's it's unfortunate. I don't think it's gonna get anything. I mean, yeah. I I bet it gets very few nominations too. Might get a best script nomination, yeah. but I don't which know. is unfortunate. Yep. And our final segment of 2020, uh, which is actually I lied. It's not gonna be remembered for the last dance. It's gonna be remembered for the birth of the Turbo Team podcast. Can, can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we all, me especially, like just starting this podcast uh, encouraged me, me. Me especially when I started this podcast. When we started this <laughs> podcast, it encouraged me to just branch out and try newer films, mm-hmm. try watching newer shows that, uh, I guess not newer shows, but, uh, encouraged me to be what are you oh the the community theme (laughs) i thought you were pressing the laughter button uh but it just encouraged me to just view lenses view films through a different lens so we all watched uh new things but i think just being locked up in a house with no live sports on for like four months of the year i watched way more movies ever uh than i would so we're gonna be talking about our (laughs) Alex is over here crying. <laughs> talk the, about crying. it. Crying. We're gonna talk about our uh, top three. We don't even have to rank them. Just three things that we like discovered in 2020: films, TVs, doc, TV shows, documentaries that had come out before that yeah. didn't come out in 2020. Like that might have come out in 1970, 1990, 1917. <laughs> 2019 came out then. 2019, <laughs> back the when the world was jazz, normal. It's the jazz singer. <laughs> All right, give us your list. Me? All yeah. right. Uh, so, in no particular order, uh, first one I'll go with is the Nice Guys. Uh, nice. Is first time you watched it was this year? Yep. It's a really good movie. Yep. I, was it when I showed it at the lake? <laughs> I showed it. I showed it the year before, I think. Well, no, it, that was not. You're I watched it. Attention. I watched it alone. The f- like, I, I don't know. I went in quarantine like five different times this year. The the <laughs> first time when I was at Simpson, and I was it was like a genuine fourteen day quarantine. Yeah. I okay. watched the Nice Guys then. I just loved it. Uh, I it wasn't like necessarily just like a com- just a comedy. Uh, it had a pretty good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the Turbo Team podcast and stuff. <laughs> uh, 
That's your ex- explanation for anything <laughs> other than why it was good. Uh, number two, community. Yeah. We just did that. <laughs> Play it again. <laughs> community is... It's never going to be able to get on the throne of my favorite show ever, just because impossible. The, the Simpsons is always just going to be there. But it's going to be really hard to find a, a show that tops second, because Community is like my second favorite show of all time. And I, I didn't watch it until this year. And when we were um, back in March, like just locked in our houses, I watched the first like three seasons of Community in three days. Like that's how much I loved it. It was and that good. It It's just an incredible show. Uh, Dan Harmon, his writing in it, uh, Danny Puddy and, uh, Donald Glover specifically, their dynamic is just like, it, it makes you always want to rewatch the show. Allison Bree's incredible in it. Yeah. Uh, Jillian Jacobs is kind of forgettable, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And Joel Um, McHale. The the manager from Drake and Josh. Well, I refuse to give Joel McHale any credit because he called on college game day, he called Iowa State, Iowa, and then Iowa, Iowa State, so... And Chevy Chase. You just don't acknowledge him outside of Jeff. <laughs> Chevy Chase Jeff is Wingen. also there. <laughs> and uh, then Ken Jong, <laughs> Dean Pelton. Yeah. Starburn. There's there's a lot of people in it. <laughs> and then the I guess not number one, but like the thing that sticks out the most of uh, new movie that I watched was Gone Girl by David mm-hmm. Fincher. Just great movie. Absolutely mind boggling, like makes you not want to go to sleep ever again type movie makes you not want to ever touch a woman again as alex I'm ne- said i'm pre-show. never, never going to touch a woman again <laughs> pre-show uh but it's yeah. it's my favorite fincher movie it's a thriller wow. i remember uh, you said she's like who, what's the woman's name rosamund pike yeah Rosamund Pye. i remember you she's one she's of like, my favorite movie villains, villains ever. ever i Jeez. watching it at the time watching yeah. it i was like yeah she's a pretty good villain thinking about it i was like Dude, she was diabolical. So, yeah. much, like, no, she's the hero. How in-depth she went. <laughs> yeah, she, we're not covering Gone Girl today. I would love to see you uh, debate this film on who the hero is and who the villain is with a certain <laughs> Simpson alum <laughs> or other student. That'd be so funny. Oh, is, oh, I'd hero. get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> the hero is Tyler Perry. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. He is unbiased. Medea comes to save the day. <laughs> I want to see a lawyer Tyler Perry versus lawyer Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Recount, recast this movie as Tyler, but Tyler Perry plays every character. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, you can. You All right, can so my number three I watched this year was um, I'm going in between because I watched a lot of good stuff this year. So I'm gonna <laughs> have a, so much. I believe I just, you. I'm gonna have a couple honorable what? mentions. Uh, my number three, I'm probably gonna go with Gone Girl as well. I watched it like two days ago. It was. It was my first time after uh, we watched Mank. I was like, "Man, I love David Fincher, but this was this didn't give me my Fincher fix." And I didn't want to watch Zodiac for the fiftieth time, so I watched so I watched Gone Girl for the first time, and I was blown away. It was an incredible movie. It was it was really really good. I think Jake kind of covered everything I said about. We might do an episode about it because I have a lot to say about it at the time. But uh, uh, any quick comments about it specifically? Uh, any quirky comments? 
<laughs> uh, Gone Girl, known for its humor. I give it zero out of ten because we didn't get to see Ben Affleck's back tattoo. So <laughs> they, they they edit that out. <laughs> it wasn't in there this time. I was upset. I turned it off after I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the movie, <laughs> I waited the entire movie for a shower scene. And five minutes until the end, we got one, and I didn't see it, so I turned it off. They got rid of the back tattoo. Anyway, okay. My can't num- wait. I can't wait for him to leave her. <laughs> My, uh, my number two thing I watched this year, we actually did cover it. I gave it a 10 out of 10. It's my fourth favorite movie of all time, La La Land. It was incredible. Yes, sir. I need to watch it again because I need to take it all in again. It was amazing. Girlfriend uh, of the program. There's nothing like... <laughs> Girlfriend of the program, Ruthie Dewey, got me La La Land on Blu-ray for Christmas. Really? Yeah. Yo, Christmas is in two days, so... <laughs> you say girlfriend gift. of the program? Girlfriend yeah. Of the, she's <laughs> all of our girlfriends. <laughs> she's dating the podcast? <laughs> Hey yo, <laughs> Turbo well, Team podcast check. Just as soon as this drops, send this to Ruthie with that timestamp. <laughs> but uh, it was a good movie. Start a fire. The John Lennon song in it was like my. That's like, your favorite. It was like my twentieth most listened song on Spotify this year. Yeah, dude, <laughs> so, really? It's yes, really, it's really good. The whole soundtrack's good, but that uh, one really stuck out to me just because the guy. I don't know. It's really that good. was the least impactful song to me. Honestly. The number one thing I watched this year wasn't even a movie. It was I've got, finally got around to watching The Sopranos, and it was some of the best TV I've ever seen. It's so mm-hmm. good. The stories are so good, so well written. The humor's fantastic, and James Gandolfini gives one of the best performances I've ever seen. The cat, the supporting cast is awesome. It's just, it's such a good show. I easily, right away, I know I recognize why it was considered one of the greatest shows of all time, if not the greatest show of all time. It's such a great show. I recommend it to everyone. It's there's so there's so much in it for everyone. If you love mob movies, gang gangster mafia stuff, easily watch it. It's it's a fantastic show. A couple honorable mentions. Uh, Euphoria, which I just realized now that I watched, that was like in March, it was right at the beginning of quarantine. Oh, I forgot to include. <laughs> so, I, yeah, Euphoria, great show. Can't wait for season two. Uh, I have. Didn't you watch Atlanta for the first time? Ah, fine. Another honorable mention I have. Dave. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Euphoria versus Atlanta. Euphoria. Uh, I hate you. Okay. Uh, but Euphoria is really good. I love I, the funny thing about Euphoria is I love it, but I hate all the characters. I think all of them have no redeeming qualities and are all terrible people, except for Fez. Except for the simps. Fez and the what's his name? I like the simp. I like a uh, cat simp. I like Simp, son. Yeah, yeah, Cat, that guy. That Cat guy. Simp, he, he's just a nice guy, man. Yep. I that I watched it right as like the height of Simp, like the word Simp was trending. <laughs> so I was like, that's the, that's that guy. <gasps> that's not me. That's him. <laughs> that's him. So Euphoria was really good. Atlanta was really good. We did a whole episode on that. Um, and then the last thing I watched that is kind of unknown. I remember seeing a trailer for it <laughs> back when it came out and then never watching it was, was, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's wildlife oh, came, out two, came out two years ago. Stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Carrie Mulligan. What was that sound? <laughs> it's just such a good movie. There, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't really do anything special. It's just a solid acting, a really good script and just a devastating story. It broke oh, my, man. Uh, the yeah. movie, the story broke my heart. Gosh, now we gotta watch it. I'm it's on Netflix. Kind of Gosh, it's on I'm Netflix. Thinking of, really I'm thinking good. of Juice World again. <laughs> Cue the Juice World song. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about Pop Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I can't believe Prince is gone. <laughs> man. In the four, in the four doors. <laughs> man, it's really been 10 years since Michael Jackson died. <laughs> But uh, but you, wildlife is really good. Ben, watch it tonight and then get back to us because it's a really good movie and I recommend it to everyone as well. So that's that's some of all. I'm sure there's more. I watched a lot. Oh yeah, year, I watched but, a ton. Uh, those are just some off the top. Ben, what were some of your favorites this year? I 
Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Remind me of that picture of Ninja. Where he's like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you got to tweet this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, number three, I had Rami. Uh, it's a super good film. I saw ads for it on Hulu for the longest time last year during its first season run. But I finally got around to watching it again the second time. The second time being when the second season came out. But it's it's such a good show. I mean, it has pretty relatable topics, but in an environment that from a podcast with three white guys take place in Iowa, it's very different from what we are used to. It's about a first generation Egyptian American who's uh, trying to who's facing a struggle between wanting to find a higher power within his. Muslim faith versus just wanting to be a young adult in New York. I mean, it's a really good film. Um, it's super dramatic, actually. Like, the drama is done really well, even though it's a central comedy comedy show starring a stand-up comedian. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. It's just very good, and I enjoyed it a lot. The music is amazing. Um, number two... I didn't even think about this until we had started, but uh, Love and Mercy um, is a film that was done in 2007, I believe, but it's about um, it's about the Beach Boys, and it's about Brian Wilson while he was writing Pet Sounds, and then it cuts back to when he's what well, was supposed to be in the modern day in early 2000s, where he's uh, having to deal with his uh, very mental his mental issues and the physical barriers he's facing. And just trying to deal with the pressure that he felt and the trauma that he felt uh, after he, <laughs> during throughout his life. And I just went on a huge Beach Boys binge earlier this year, so <laughs> watching that film was amazing, and I love it. It's your favorite album, isn't it? It's not my favorite album. It's out there, but it's not my favorite. What's your favorite album? It's a secret. Uh-huh. We'll have to wait till the Music Turbo Team <laughs> podcast comes out. I'll do one eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. Did, we did a comedy one. We did one about food, too. What movie was that? It was The Platform. platform. Oh, worst thing I watched all year. The, the Platform? Wait, the Platform, really? The Interview. Dude, the Interview was so bad. The Interview was the worst. Ah, dude, I didn't like... Eh, Mank was okay. Okay, I watched... What did Pur- you say was okay? Dave was really bad, too. I watched Purge Mank. Election Year a couple weeks ago. I think that takes the cake. Yeah, you watched that willingly. <laughs> no, not willingly. Uh, do, do you remember at Ragbot Bry last year when like we had like time to kill, so we went to hang out at your house and we just started watching the Purge? What? We were at your dad's old house. I remember we were there. I don't remember watching the Purge. The purge All right, Ben, what's your number one? <laughs> <laughs> this is good to know. <laughs> yeah, Ben. My number one is Synecdoche, New York. I only watched this like two weeks ago or something, but it's by it's a film uh, directed and written by Charlie Kaufman. He's the guy who did I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which we also covered, but. <laughs> equally to that movie it is so confusing and you can take it to so many different levels but there's so much to unpack within it simple shots like a five minute scene of him uh having a breakfast from what you think is one morning uh between different shots is revealed to be over the course of like five years or something like that Jeez, it's <laughs> and it's just like small details have you seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I have. Where would you rank that? Syndicate in New York, and I'm thinking of ending things. Synecdoche, 
Sunshine. Sunshine, I don't love actually. You liked it better than Eternal Sunshine? Really? I didn't. I didn't love Eternal Sunshine. I need to watch. I I started the, it and then got bored and turned it off. So I gotta watch it. Parts again. of it really don't work. It's so early two thousands. If that makes any sense. Parts of it works so well, and some of them just miss. I'll explain. I, I just am interested in seeing Jim Carrey in a very serious performance. I loved him in Truman Show, which was pretty kind of serious. His so. performance is really good. Okay, we'll, yeah. ta- we'll talk afterwards. No, but <laughs> Synecdoche was so amazing. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Catherine Keener, Michelle peace. Williams. Yeah, this film hits so much harder after his death because the film is all about a theater director who wins like a genius grant that gives him so much money to put on whatever production he wants. Mm -hmm. So he tries to put on the, like he tries to put on a production about like life itself and it just becomes so meta and so massive and so conductive to his entire life while we just follow this broken man trying to put out his life's work before he feels he runs out of irrelevance, AKA or he just runs into death and he eventually dies so we follow him throughout his entire life and it's man <laughs> it's it's so sad but it's so good i don't know juice, i don't know how to juice explain world. it juice world pop smoke King well Vaughn. do you have any honorable mentions <laughs> honorable mentions true detective season 1 not euphoria yeah euphoria jake do you have any honorable mentions so we're going to go fargo season 1 okay barry oh, barry's you see for me i just we should, redo, we should redo a Barry episode. I just, yeah. <laughs> Please do not go back and listen to episode three of the Turbo Team podcast. We might as well just take it off of Spotify because it's bad. No, keep it up. We need to show them. It's bad. So people are, people are big fans from the nine countries that listen to the Turbo Team podcast. Ten now. Ten. Oh. Added, added Belgium this last month. Nice. So. If you're listening Belgium. from Belgium, uh, thank you. Great waffles. They speak English out there. I think. Uh, yeah. Just go to one scrolling and be like, wow, I'm in between two and four. <laughs> Barry. But yeah, I, I've got a lot of honorable mentions. Cape Fear. I'm not Dutch. I, I need to see that still. Yeah, that's... I need to see that It might be my favorite Scorsese movie. Really? Dude. Yeah. Have you seen The Departed? No. It's Why, the, I think The Departed's I, Leo's the, best acting performance. I still yeah. need to see like The Departed and Casino. Watch. I think those are my only two. Casino's really good. I would suggest The Departed first. All right. Okay, jeez. I love The Departed. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, those those are some of my honorable mentions. Nightcrawler. I didn't even think about yeah, Nightcrawler. Yeah. yeah. Nightcrawler but yeah, there's so there's so many. I make about Nightcrawler. I convinced Ben the other day. I didn't watch that for our podcast review. I started <sighs> it. I had a long day at work. Started it. Fell asleep after like four. After like thirty minutes. That makes so much sense. Read the Wikipedia thing to refresh my memory, and then did the episode. I, I mean, at least you'd already seen it before. Yeah. If, if anything, that makes it more potent because it's so memorable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you guys uh, want to end with some New Year's resolutions? Yeah. So my New Year's resolution in 2021 is to be more active and watch less movies. Yeah. Take that, Turbo Team Podcast. Wait, no, <laughs> that's not what we said. It's pretty meta, bro. <laughs> uh, New Year's resolution: uh, watch The Departed. Bingo. That's a resolution. This guy knows how to party. <laughs> I'm gonna finish it before the year. <laughs> um. I don't know. Are we doing these like related to Turbo Team just in general? First thing comes off your mind, comes to your mind. Could be eat more vegetables. <laughs> That's not worth it. <laughs> Mines do more actions, love. Cheerio. <laughs> Things about get a bit deadly, isn't it? Do another one that isn't British. My New Year's resolution. Boy, 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 boy. <laughs> Scottish. 
My New Year's resolution is to win a tennis match. Mine's to to win a tennis match. Did you not last this year? I only had one this last year. You lost it? Because we only had like two meets and I had COVID. It's not an answer. No, you didn't have COVID. You're 7 for 7. I went went 0-2. I went (laughs) 0-2 this year and then... uh, Fine. My New Year's resolution is to win a singles match. I've won doubles. Uh, Student athlete of the podcast. Ben, any resolutions? Really? Um, yeah, I need to learn how to tremolo pick on guitar. It's when you go super fast. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm not good at that. <laughs> I'm really jank at that, and that's something that I should have learned years ago, but I haven't, so. <laughs> I already know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, is that it? What's yours? Uh, yours is real garbage. Are you done? <laughs> do better impressions and accents. <laughs> And with that being said, it's me, Bill Burst, sending you off with the podcast. All right. Yeah, you, you, you're going to have to work on it. You got room to work. You got room to work. Hey, it's me, Jerry Seinfeld. What's up, what? with, air, what's up with airplane food? <laughs> Could have tried. Oh, it's the number one show on television. Dude, I got so bored in quarantine Kramer. the other day. Okay, Jake. Kramer. I think it's time. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening.